Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Formula One is back this weekend and in France, and here to discuss everything we saw today in the free practice sessions. It's a non-sprint weekend, so as normal is our technical editor and our Formula E guru, fresh back from New York, Jake Boxall Lake. How have your travels been following Formula E? Very, very good, thank you. Uh, New York is an incredible city. Uh, it's kind of like uh, London, but on steroids. It's mad, um, but I had such a great time. Um, the flight back was pretty horrible uh, <laughs> because it was a proper classic red eye of depart at about six or seven o'clock, uh, get home at about 6am and ahead of the hottest day of the year. So I got no sleep, I was very, very hot and I just felt very iffy but it was worth it wow well it's good to have you covering formula e for us and the website and it's good to have you back for the formula one which is back this weekend uh, for the french grand prix where the ferraris had some pretty good pace leading a one two in second practice when the fuel came out and they were doing some quick runs but let's start with free practice one this morning and actually let's start with talking about a couple of cars and drivers that got a friday outing we saw robert kubitzer nick devries in the cars tell us about those 
Sure. So we've already had uh, Nick in the car in Barcelona for Williams. Uh, this is his first taste of the 2022 Mercedes uh, taking over from Lewis Hamilton because as per the new regulations, every single driver has to uh, vacate their seat for an FP1 session and let a driver with fewer than two F1 appearances in the car. The exception there is for, for a certain Guan Yu Zhou, who, uh, or sorry, Joe Guan Yu, uh, who... Um, was a rookie when he came in so he satisfied that criteria in Bahrain um but De Vries was very very assured very very good it's everything that you would expect from him um you know he's got a relative lack of Formula One experience but you know you see it in Formula E and saw it in all of the junior programs as well um you know he's, he's very very sensible um you know, has got a very wise head on his shoulders and so he was just kind of able to just run through the program and Mercedes probably didn't have any worries there. Ninth fastest, um, but his pace on the medium tyres relative to the cars around him was very, very good uh, towards the end of the session. Uh, did have to encounter a, a slightly slower Alex Albon on the hard tyres um, later on in the session, but he made the overtake and um, was very, very good. Um, but ninth fastest is not a bad return. Didn't see too much of Robert Kubica. He did 19 laps and placed 19th probably what you would expect just getting the mileage in for Alfa Romeo um obviously this is part of the um Orland title sponsorship deal that he gets some free practice outings per season and in place of Valtteri Bottas and that that doesn't count as a young driver test by the way because I think uh, Kubis has had a, a few more than the two uh Formula One races in his past um, <laughs> so Bottas will have to jump out of the car at some point a little bit later in the season be that for whoever we will sh- we'll find out I'm sure but yeah um didn't really see a whole lot of him to be honest with you uh, I was sort of focused on uh you know seeing uh, a fellow Formula E mainstay if you yeah. like uh trundling around and uh doing some doing some good laps so good good to see some fresh faces for sure yeah i thought nick devries had, had a really really solid session because you don't want to bin it because you're you've got the car for a session uh but you also want to show what you can do uh for that hour and i thought he did a really good job uh ninth in the timesheets but uh but like you say i think they did they did a, a normal program they weren't particularly loaded up with fuel they didn't take it all out and do glory runs as robbie Kubica, i think like most fans of Formula One. Uh, I don't meet too many people that don't like Robert Kubica and have a huge amount of love for him. So it kind of hurts a bit to see him, you know, jump in the car six, seven tenths off um, the times done by Joe Guan Yu uh, in the same Alfa Romeo. But just to kind of remind her how hard it is, uh, not because of, you know, what's happened to him in the past, but just to jump in a car fresh and uh, put in some uh, some hot laps enormously difficult but still a bit sad to see him down because we know that in his prime uh, like brutally fast um so yeah uh, we saw ferrari topping the timesheets in the morning then in the afternoon let's get on to that because that's when we see some short run and some uh, long run pace where we can talk much more about what happened today so uh, science heading a ferrari one two in second practice max verstappen half a second adrift but that doesn't really tell the whole story because he's been suffering with with some understeer. Let's talk about uh, how those cars finished up in the timesheets, a little bit about the track, and also which cars you think might benefit from the track uh, this weekend. So give us your thoughts on FP2. Well, I was keeping an eye on the sort of um, sector times, actually, uh, throughout the session, and Ferrari was absurdly strong in the final sector. Uh, that's when everything starts to tighten up. That's when the F175 gets in, comes into its own, really, relative to the Red Bull 
that Red Bull is incredibly quick on the straights and that whole Mistral straight and the chicane that, that breaks up uh, going into scenes and uh, Lobose. It's all very, very quick and it's all kind of Verstappen real estate, if you like. But then yeah. that's when you get into the part of the lap where the Ferrari starts to come into its own. Um, I think, you know, and we saw this from Max in FP1 as well. He just made a little bit of a mistake on his best lap in the final sector and that kind of opened up the... Um, the advantage to Ferrari a little bit more. So I think, you know, I, I know the timesheets don't say it, but we're, we're kind of in for more of a, an evenly matched, uh, I think, battle between the two Ferraris and, and Verstappen. I won't put Perez in that battle just yet because, um, okay. he, you know, he, he struggled a little bit in FP2 and only finished 10th fastest. Didn't really have much of an opportunity to put the lap together, but I think he was sort of in data gathering mode anyway. But I think it will be close for sure. Um, the science looks very, very good. Um, it's good to see that at least so far in this weekend, um, the, the the engine fire hasn't dulled his spirits too much. He will take a 10 place grid penalty for a change in control uh, electronics. But, um, you know, he'll have an opportunity to work his way through the pack. Um, so hopefully we'll see a nice big battle between Ferrari and Red Bull. And of course, that you know, if science were to you know ultimate scenario for them, put it on pole, start eleventh, uh, barring any other penalties around him. Um, what's your thoughts on that, or do you think Ferrari should bite the bullet, do a complete change, take the take another range and all the new uh, various bits, and start from the back of the grid, or do you think here with this circuit and this layout, it's worth minimising that damage? W- what do you think? It's funny because I saw a graphic on Twitter the other day that suggested that it's, in terms of overtakes, Paul Ricard isn't too bad. So if you want to take that risk, it's certainly something that you can do. Um, DRS is pretty powerful. Well, it was pretty powerful in the previous iteration of car. We don't really know the state of play with these current cars and we'll see how it how it plays out. Um, I think you could. I think it's pretty 50-50, to be honest with you. Uh, I think given... You know the, the the problems that science has probably faced in recent rounds in trying to get uh, points on the board. I mean, obviously he uh, won at Silverstone, but then Austria he didn't score anything. I think it would be better at, at this stage, at least, to probably minimise the damage, get okay. him you know on the podium, yeah. and then maybe take you know a second hit a little bit later down the road, uh, another circuit that's probably a little bit easier to get points or, or sorry a little bit uh, harder to overtake on so that minimizes the damage somewhat so i'm not 100 percent sure what the best solution is and i think you know that's probably the same for ferrari as well but yeah. um if you just take the 10 for now and make sure that he gets up through the order i think you you know you're going to be in a pretty good place and then deal with you know other engine penalties can be a, a problem for later ferrari I was last at Paul Ricard in 2019. That was when Lewis Hamilton won. And um, it was not not one that sticks out in my mind as being legendary, although I was sitting start-finish straight, which was, you know, fascinating, uh, as always, to go to any Grand Prix. But it doesn't stick out in my mind as one that was full of, you know, great racing. But, uh, heck, we're going back a little bit pre-COVID. Uh, what was life like before then? But uh, but if you look at last year's race, um, where the Red Bull of Max Verstappen won, France was earlier in the season last year. It was quite. Uh, it was sort of mid June, I think it was, um, and not far into the season. But didn't Red Bull win last year by just being really quick uh, in a straight line? And and that was only his second. It was his third win. 
because kind of Lewis started really strong, winning Bahrain and Portugal and Spain at the beginning of last season. And then Red Bull went on that run of like Monaco, um, Baku, France, and then uh, Austria, home race. So didn't they win France by just having like a really low drag setup? What, what do you think they might do again this year in terms of the two setups, Red Bull versus Ferrari? No point Ferrari being quick in the, the twisty stuff at the end of the lap if they can't get past Red Bull. Well, from what I remember as well, last year was um, Verstappen did uh, a two-stop when Hamilton did a one. And... Um, that gave him, you know, such great pace towards the end because it was pretty, I think, I, from what I remember, it was pretty balanced between the two. And then Max came in, he did his last stop and um, just just had the pace. Um, I think I, I also recall that was a pace where Ferrari tried to do the same strategy and it just didn't really work for, for Charles Leclerc at all. But yeah, so Verstappen did have, so I, you know, you have to kind of take that into account. It's interesting that you bring that up because we do see those those two front-running cars with distinct strengths relative to each other. Ferrari does have to sort of maybe take a little bit of a view that, you know, they're not going to do phenomenally, let's say, on the straight. But the caveat is, and the... Um, the caveat is of that, is that mm. they are incredibly good in the slow speed. And that's what precedes each straight. So... If Leclerc, for example, gets a really, really good run through sector three and builds enough of a gap over Verstappen, if, say, he's leading, for example, mm. then Verstappen's not going to mount an overtake. If it's vice versa and um, Verstappen is in the uh, in the lead, then Leclerc might get the run. So it's how much do you want to compromise that strength, particularly as, you know, the runs through... Uh, towards the end of uh, sector one onto the straight and to the end of sector three, Ferrari would have a slightly more baked in advantage, let's say relative to Red Bull. So it's going to be a fantastic, uh, a fascinating dynamic between the two for sure. Um, it'd be really interesting to see how they do tackle that um, and try and keep their, their strengths and uh, cover off their weaknesses. Yeah. We saw Red Bull suffering with that, uh, that understeer today in practice. And if they can, dial that front end in it'd be quite ominous actually for their uh, their competitors Carlos Sainz led the way today Charles Leclerc like I mentioned a tenth behind with a Ferrari 1-2 Max Verstappen in third and then a trio of Brits George Russell in the Mercedes Lewis Hamilton uh, in the second Mercedes and Lando Norris in the first of the McLarens followed by Pierre Gasly Kevin Magnussen Daniel Ricciardo good to see him with a decent bit of pace although one and a half seconds off the pace and Sergio Perez in the second Red Bull. Uh, by the way, a great article up on Autosport Plus. If you are a subscriber and you haven't read it yet on why Sergio Perez has broken the curse of Red Bull's at number two position, second seat. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the upgrades which are going to be impacting uh, the action this weekend, JBL. What have you seen? What are you looking at? I know that I've seen lots of talk on Twitter about uh, Ferrari upgrades and McLaren upgrades. What's caught your eye? So I guess let's begin with the Ferrari upgrades because... Um in terms of visually, you've not we've not really seen a massive sea change in how the Ferrari looks per se. Uh, I think we've seen a little bit more with Red Bull in terms of side pod changes, but Ferrari seems really happy with that concept. What they've done though is they've changed the 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 opening of the floor, um, and so if you look at it from sort of a, it, it's kind of hard to describe the view, but let's say from the from the back of the car and you just walk slightly out behind the rear tires, you can see a real concerted effort to 
help drive the airflow outwards on top of the floor, but also open up the floor a little bit more to improve the overall uh, performance of the, the Venturi tunnels and the diffuser. So they're clearly shooting for just a little bit more rear end downforce um, and, and presumably downforce around the sort of middle portion of the car as well. So there's yeah been a concerted effort on their floor to just draw a little bit more performance out of it. Um, this battle with Red Bull is very, very... Uh, it's very, very close this season. And so it would be remiss of them not to try and bring these changes in, you know, budget cap be damned maybe. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it's it's clearly something that they need to do. But I think McLaren had the most changes for sure. And um, we did see an FP1, uh, Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris running back to back with their updates. Uh, so Ricardo had the new side pods on the car and the new floor. Rick, uh, Norris had the the old spec stuff. And so if you look at the side pods in particular, you notice that, again, it's similar to the Red Bull kind of concept of creating this sort of dip at the, at the rear and allowing that airflow to just wash over the top of the side pods and direct it down to the top of the, the diffuser, which is not something that the car had previously. And I think you are starting to see this convergence in terms of side pod design because, and if I sort of want to, you know, if I may speak about it a little bit, mm. um, one of the biggest changes over the off season was that the barge boards were pretty much completely gone. And although you have the front of the floor to try and mitigate some of that, there's not a lot that teams have to deal with the overall tire wake and yeah sure you've got the little uh, deflectors on top of the wheels but they're still going to be a wake profile that you've got to deal with if you imagine what the turbulence behind the wheel is like imagine like a big matted knotted ball of wool that you've got to as an aerodynamicist try and un- untangle hmm. and that's really really difficult and with the bargeboard components you're able to kind of do that and allow the air to pass through and condition and sort itself out like running a comb through it almost but you don't have that anymore so teams are trying to use the profile of the side pods now to try and do something with that and it's not as effective but then the less uh turbulence because of those deflectors so it's kind of a trade-off but yeah you're using the the flat side of the side pod to kind of try and do something with the air and and keep it away from um the the entrance of the floor and try and work it a little bit really so that's kind of where all of these teams are kind of going with their side pods and it's really still really interesting to see mercedes go completely a different way with it um but yeah, I think that's kind of generally the basics of why we're seeing this kind of return to what one would associate as a sort of late 90s, early 2000s kind of side pod design before we started playing with undercuts and, and things like that. So it's really interesting to see teams dip into the history books to try and deal with it. Ah, it's fascinating to hear you describe it as well. And uh, and fascinating to see that despite different concepts, halfway through the year, uh, the, the, the two front running teams have almost nothing between them, maybe a tenth here, a tenth there, and we can't wait to see the performance over this weekend between Red Bull and Ferrari, and hopefully those midfield teams as well, Alpha Tauri desperate for upgrades as that midfield battle continues, and um, you know it's going to be so tight all the way to the end of the season, see if anybody can work their way forwards and, and catch um, the two at the front. Before we lose you, last, last uh, final few minutes on the podcast, one of the political... 
uh, shock horror. Formula One gets political. One of the political stories bouncing its way out of France today is <laughs> the uh, the FIA floor changes, which I must confess, even I was still a little bit vague on a, a few weeks later after they, you know, following Baku, uh, what they're going to do there. Uh, but now they're facing a rebellion from at least six teams. And of course, if that gets to eight, then you end up with a super majority and they can be uh, defeated. But at least six teams not wanting to go the direction the FAA going, McLaren being all a bit Switzerland and this whole thing being like, <laughs> well, you know, we're staying out of this. We're an independent team. Yeah, but you are a customer of a team who might benefit from this. So can you just tell us a little bit briefly about what's happened here, the headline on that and your your opinion, your take on the FIA and the action around flexi floors? Okay, sure. So this, this all began with those suggestions that teams are using flexing floors to derive a little bit more performance from the underbody. But this is at the expense of the floors creating porpoising and then later porpoising was fixed, but there was still that degree of bouncing because the downforce produced by these Venturi tunnels is so strong that it is pulling the car to the floor. And if you can flex that floor, then you can seal the underbody a little bit more. And so you're getting so much more downforce, but you are suffering a lot of bouncing. And that was the thing that everyone took umbrage at, uh, particularly the drivers, because it was really hurting their backs. Um, But what we're starting to see is we're starting to see a resolution towards that. And we're not starting to see so much bouncing anymore, which is good. And I think Honestly, I think the FIA is maybe a little bit late in the day um, with the changes they want to bring in. They want to bring in uh, what they call an aerodynamic oscillation metric, oh, which nice. uh, makes, you know, which basically they want to measure the amount of bouncing that the <laughs> that the cars are doing. Um, and this was originally going to be planned for, I think, the British Grand Prix, and then, yeah. or it was the French Grand Prix or something. And it moved but, back, yeah. Yeah, it moved back to the Belgian Grand Prix. So that's going to be implemented after the summer break now so the FIA has a, a little bit longer to work on it the teams have a little bit work team time to work on it um so that's you know the main thing that they're going to do this season and make sure that nobody is bouncing beyond a certain threshold let's say uh, to minimize that bouncing but what the FIA wants to do as well is they want to ratify a few changes for 2023 to ensure that it's no longer going to happen and to try and stop teams from using um, flexing in their floors to to create more downforce at the expense of safety. Um, and so what they want to do is they want to raise the floor edges by 25 millimetres. Um, they want to raise the, the underfloor, what they call the diffuser throat, which is basically the lowest point of the, the floor. Um, and then also introduce more stringent deflection tests and, and, and that sort of thing. So it's a series of changes that they want to make. It is a relatively big regulatory change because it's something it, all of the teams have worked this regulation they're still pretty new to it for 2022 and then the FIA wants to change it again um and naturally as you say there are six teams as Ferrari Red Bull Alpha Tauri Alfa Romeo Haas and Williams are believed to be the teams that don't want to uh, don't want this to happen basically um at some point we'll, I'm sure there'll be a compromise uh, solution mm. that will suit everybody but it's um it's one of those things where we've just had, from a personal perspective at least, we've just had this very, very big regulatory change and teams are trying to sort of find out more about it and try and find out how to work it. And 
I guess to their advantage, but also work with it as well and ensure that it's not going to do bouncing and popping and things like that in the future. I would just like a little bit of, you know, consistency in the rules. I don't want to see changes year on year because you don't see the the, the effects of convergence and therefore a really, really close together field. It's just, this is just another area where one team could theoretically, you know, get an advantage and steal off into the distance. So as much as I appreciate it is for, sa- for safety grounds, I think the teams should sort of be left to work out, work out on their own to their own devices. And it seems that they have done to some degree. Um, I don't mind having a metric on board. If it produces the required effect, then I, I don't necessarily see why 2023 potential changes are needed. But um, that's just, that's just my read of the situation at least. Yeah, I think I agree. Nobody wants to see a driver injured or hurt because the car they're driving is set up in a way that that knows they're going to hurt them. But if they don't hurt the driver, they're going to be too slow. I'm also appreciative to the teams that said, well, look, we either foresaw this problem or we fixed it. You know, Ferrari have problems with bouncing as well, but in a different way to say Mercedes. Like they're always able to get as they head to headed towards the braking zones and where the mechanical grip was needed, they were able to re-engage that car in a way that Mercedes couldn't. And equally, I understand the teams that don't have performance at the minute are always going to be in favor of a rule change because a bit like a wet Grand Prix, when you throw things up in the air, you never quite know how they land and it could in theory uh, help them or it could hinder, but more likely with these cases, I understand why Mercedes are fully behind. No, no, no. We need to make some changes. (laughs) <laughs> and if some teams have, you know, developed a trick, I'm doing air quotes, not that anyone can see me on a podcast, a trick solution, well, yeah, Formula One is littered with these kind of things. And you, we could argue all night on, well, is that just innovation or are they cheating uh, in the spirit of the rules? Oh, my goodness. Let's not bring up the spirit of the rules. <laughs> Time to call it a day. Hey, next we'll talk about track limits. No, let's not do that. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, Jake, you, JBL, you and the team are going to be here all weekend. We can check out the live... Uh, action on autosport.com you're back this weekend uh i'm not on this weekend because uh but live will be left in very very good hands uh the indefatigable hayden cobb will be leading live and we'll have all of your favorite autosport journalists on that as well throughout the weekend so uh it will be in very good hands you don't need me. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll miss the puns, but we'll be okay. We'll be, <laughs> you need a break after Formula E and then uh, all the work you've done. So that's amazing. Thank you very and much. And more Formula E next weekend as well. So, Of course, as, as it comes uh, it comes back to the UK uh, and lots to talk about. With We need to do a whole Formula E podcast, actually. We've got driver <laughs> news to talk about. We've got, right, anyway, anyway, got Gen 3. Uh, that's not a time for now. There are other great podcasts that you can check out. If you like, generally, you like listening to motorsport stuff, um, Rally is really on fire this year uh, with the young driver Callie Rovenpera just blowing everyone away um, check out uh, our channel called Gravel Notes with Tom Howard I really recommend that it's a great podcast uh, where I ask Tom the questions and he is just brilliant he's going to all the uh, the, uh, the WRC events this year uh, we have a bikes podcast if you love two wheels as well called Tank Slappers uh, we published one earlier this week uh, where the new Honda signing Alex Rins uh, gave his first worldwide media interview to Lewis and Uri our two uh, MotoGP experts to talk about his decision to sign for a two year deal with the Japanese uh, manufacturer uh, again it's called tank slappers you can check it out in your favorite podcast app as well as here on the autosport channel thank you so much for listening it'll be alex and luke 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Back tomorrow for your Saturday show, and I'll see you Sunday. Thanks for listening. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Meet Charlie. She loves dogs. Guilty. She powers her pup empire with Shopify. The sales won't stop. With Charlie's tech needs sorted, she can focus on turning her home business into a global operation. Yes, boy. Join Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.co.uk slash green. Go to shopify.co.uk slash green to start selling online today. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.